This is traditionally February, the first Sunday of February, Vision Sunday, um, what we're going to do this month because I'm so excited about a series that I'm wanting to preach right across the month of February. It's kind of like uh, I travel a little bit, maybe once a month, and I wanted to do four Sundays in a row. This is, and it's like, well, February is the month. I'm here for four Sundays, so let's do this. So rather than doing a Vision Sunday, uh, over the month, I'm going to kind of, we'll be releasing different vision aspects like the groups, which are a very important pillar in our church. We really want to encourage you to find a group. If you want to flourish, you got to get planted. When you get planted, you'll flourish, and groups are a really important part of being planted, all right? Thank you, thank you, thank you. But what I want to do is on uh, January 31, I went to Sydney last year, the last day of the decade. I preached at Oxford Falls C3 Church down there for a dreaming service, and the Lord spoke to me about dreaming for our church and really for the last 18 months out of a scripture God gave me in Genesis 35 11 I've been praying and dreaming and and Danielle and I have been talking about our church and, and where we are and I, I jumped on the plane to come back on the 1st of January and I felt this prompting from God to write down what we've been dreaming for the next decade okay so it's kind of like dreaming big picture but some of you like that so I'm going to share it with you all right and this is from from Daniel Pastor Danielle and I uh, I see our church in a season of revival, a powerful move of God with radical salvations, healings, and young people being apprehended for the call of God. I see extraordinary momentum with a thousand people being saved in a year and increasing until one day we see a thousand people saved across a weekend. I see us being a leadership factory, training, raising up, and empowering leaders who are brilliant disciple makers. There's a multiplication of leaders of all ages who are gripped by a strong and unshakable call of God, which causes them to lay down their lives for the gospel. I see, our, I see us established in our new premises on Power Road. It's a landmark facility in the nation. There will be a demonst- this will be a demonstration of God's power, a result of a series of miracles that echoes around the nations. The Lord will be glorified for doing exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. I see new church locations starting with Melbourne in 2020. I'm believing for five new church plants over the course of the decade. I see these locations supernaturally in their own buildings because we first broke through here on the Sunshine Coast. I see our church filled with influencers and entrepreneurs, innovative, cutting edge, marketplace leaders who excel in every sphere of society, government, media, sport, entertainment, education, business, and more. Entrepreneurs who set the standard for business excellence, leadership, and wealth creation. I see our church consistently experiencing powerful healings. There's a breakthrough anointing on our church. People get healed in their seats during worship and watching online. People are flying in to be in our services because they've heard miracles are happening at C3 Powerhouse. I see us being known for kindness in our community. Our reputation is for generosity, compassion, and practical help for those who are in need. I see us a haven of love, hope, and acceptance for all radiating God's love into our community and beyond. This is C3 Powerhouse in multiple cities. Come on, give the Lord some praise. If you want to be part of that, what we're doing. I love it. I get excited just reading it. So excited I'm spitting, which is a good sign for the anointing. 
I was talking to Dan Frecker today. We launched Melbourne today in our what we call preview services. So preview services are before the official launch. Uh, Dan, was, he was so pumped because they put out 16 chairs. I mean, we're just starting. We've got five people moved down there, didn't know anybody, knocking on doors, promoting, you know, leading people to Jesus. And so they had 16 chairs out, and he was pumped because 32 people turned up. So that's day one. So come on, give the Lord some praise for what's going on. That's, that's pretty cool. That's not every day you'd have double your expectation. That's just, that's a good day in the life of any pastor. Uh, so thank you for praying and being a part of what God's doing. Uh, we're going to be giving into, we need, uh, we're wanting to uh, kick off with a, uh, some sound equipment, a range of different things next, uh, in the next month. So next week we'll be having a part two of an offering we called Renovate for Revival last year. I'll explain that. I'm going to try and send an email out if you're a member and you're, or you're part of this church and we've got your email details. Look out for an email this week of an update of what we're doing, what we've done, and what we're going to do as we move into phase two of renovating for that season of revival. Good? Yeah. All right, so here we go. Last year, David McCracken visited our church, and he brought a, a message, a prophetic message, and David McCracken is an internationally recognized prophet. So he came to our church, uh, and, and, he, and he just said, in God's calendar, 2020 is marked down for this church as a year of supernatural breakthrough. All right, a year of supernatural breakthrough. That means we've adopted, we've taken that and said, awesome. Uh, the theme for our church for 2020, 2019 was the year of the party. That can roll in, that'll be fine. But the theme of this year is supernatural breakthrough. That means things we've been praying for together as a church for years, we're going to break through this year. Uh, that means things that you've been praying for and believing God for and been hitting obstacles in. This is a year of supernatural breakthrough for you as well. I believe uh, the Bible talks about the prayers of the saints that are built up into, into a bucket in heaven. Uh, one day I'm going to preach a, a message called the bucket list, but it'll be the, the prayer bucket list because your prayers build up in heaven to one day if you've ever been to movie world or, or wet and wild and suddenly the bucket's tip filling up, filling up and then it goes... Shh. This is one of those years where your prayers are built up and then suddenly, whoosh, are going to break out. Supernatural breakthrough. He talked about two keys to breaking uh, to this year of supernatural breakthrough if we're to experience it personally. And all, uh, my job as your pastor and leader is I want to help you pre uh, present yourself and prepare yourself so that you can be part of the supernatural breakthrough that God's got for our church, okay? So the two keys. One was breaking intimidation, and we're going to talk about that this month, and the other was having a fresh encounter with God. So you're not living off an encounter from 10 years ago or five years ago or even one year ago, but you'll have a fresh encounter with God that will re-energize and revolutionize your world and prepare you for the supernatural breakthroughs God's got. So the series that we're doing, it's called It's Time, Breaking Intimidation, It's Time. I want to tell somebody here today that, that th those thoughts that have been bouncing around in your head and stopping you getting having all that God's got for you, it's time that you broke that. It's time that those lies that you believed, it's time that that small thinking that you've entertained in your heart, it's time that the restrictions that the enemy has placed around you has, is broken through. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to see some uh, supernatural breakthrough and breaking intimidation. All right. So the next four Sundays. Now, if you're here this morning, uh, tonight, message will sound quite similar yet different as it always tends to with me quite similar but but different um, to this morning but I'm going to because repetition I'm going to be hammering away on some things okay because here's the key 
The preaching itself will not change you. I know, and I'm a preacher. The preaching will give you keys. The preaching will shine the light on some things that we need to go to work on. But the, and, and, and you need the preaching of the Word of God. But at the end of the day, if you're going to experience supernatural breakthrough by overcoming or breaking the intimidation that's held you back, then you're going to have to go to work. You're going to have to not just say, someone do that for me. You're going to have to do it for yourself. Now, I'm speaking from experience here because for 25 years, one of the things that I've had to do uh, consistently is to overcome intimidation. Uh, I kind of got a little bit of a theory that, that, that some people don't have to struggle with it as much and other people do. And I, I feel like it often has a, bit, a little bit to do with your personality, but a lot to do with your parents and how much confidence that your parents put in you. And if your parents put a lot of confidence in you, you probably aren't going to have to battle with as much intimidation, uh, but, but you still are going to have to know how to fight it, okay? So many of us have grown up with great parents, but who maybe didn't instill a lot of confidence in us through affirmation, and you've got to go on a journey of overcoming the, the insecurities and intimidation that comes your way. So for me, that's my story. I'll talk a little bit more about that next Sunday night and next Sunday, but, but really for 25 years, every time, and this is what happens, God wants you to go to a new level of blessing and a new level of influence. Okay, He's called you to a new levels of blessing as your heavenly Father. He wants good things for you, but He also, He's called you to new levels of influence for the sake of the kingdom. Every time that's coming, the devil knows it's coming. It's like God says, come up to another level. Well, on that other level is this spirit of intimidation looking back at you, trying to stop you getting what God's got for you. And it is a spirit. And so, so for me, what, what's happened, I've learned how to overcome it. And I've, different seasons, different things I've overcome. And as I've gone into new levels of responsibility and new levels of blessing, uh, I've learned lots of things. But last year, I would say, well, last year was a, a, a supercharged year for me of overcoming intimidation. And I did something that I've never done before specifically. I did four things every day for six months. And as I locked in on these four things every day for six months, it only took five minutes a day, I found that God did a work as I partnered with the Holy Spirit and Jesus, the Word of God. God did a work in my life that smashed some things that for years have been holding me back. And so rather than you having to work it out yourself over the next 25 years, I'm going to put it up on a platter for you tonight. So, but again, you got to do the work. And some of you, if you take the challenge of breaking intimidation off your life over the next six months every day and make it a focus, we're going to get the powerhouse conference at the end of July and you're going to walk into that place and you are going to be unrecognizable internally and to other people around you because you've leaned into this breaking intimidation challenge. Who would like to do that at the end of July? All right, last, last weekend. So let's talk about intimidation. What is it? Okay, I've come up with my own definition. I didn't get this from Wikipedia. Uh, it's going to come up on the screen behind me. Intimidation is a demonic spirit and strategy that robs us of godly confidence, not, not self-confidence, but godly confidence, and stops us entering into God's best for our life. God's best is blessing and influence. That's what he wants for your life, blessing and influence, okay? And so intimidation, it's a spirit, but it's also a strategy. It attracts other spirits. We'll get to that in week three. 
So that you see the, the spirit of intimidation working through the whole Bible. You see it when God says to Moses, you be the deliverer of Israel. And Moses says, I can't speak. You can't use me. That's intimidation. That's a voice in his head. You see Saul being about to be crowned as king and he's hiding in some bags because he's freaked out through insecurity. That's intimidation. That's stopping him. Step into his calling. You see Gideon get challenged by God to deliver the Israelites and he, and he starts to make excuses. He says, my clan's the weakest and I'm the least in my family. What's that? It's the spirit of intimidation. You see Elijah, and I'm going to talk about Elijah shortly, flee in fear when Jezebel threatens him. It makes no sense. What is it? The spirit of intimidation. You see Timothy uh, freaking out and worrying about what all the older people in the church think of him and he's a young pastor. And you see Paul rise to him and he says, Timothy, you've stopped using your gift. Something's shutting it down. Something's on you. You're not operating at the level you're supposed to be operating. And he says to him, God, you've got to be aware, Timothy, is God didn't give you that spirit of intimidation. He didn't give it timidity or fear. That's not from God. It's God on you. God's given you a different spirit, love, power, and a sound mind. Don't go thinking that that humility of shrinking back is a God thing. It's actually something robbing you of your godly confidence. So stir yourself up, stir up the gift and overcome it. All right, intimidation. So I want us to have a look at this scripture in Kings. If we can pull it up on the screen for me right now, that would be really helpful. And this is about uh, the, the Elijah. Elijah's just, he's been in the most awesome battle in history, I reckon, like spiritual battle. When I get to heaven and I get to go to the movie theater in heaven to watch all the things that happen through the Bible, this will be one that I request pretty early. He's just, he's, he's, he's heard God and he's called three years of drought. And then at the end of the drought, because Elijah prayed and it didn't happen, so he's already got some good stuff going on. God's answering him. He has this, uh, uh, just hold that off for a moment, that scripture, and then, uh, then we'll get it. Sorry, guys, because some of you are being distracted. All right, uh, uh, that was my fault. I did ask for it. My bad. Uh, so, and so he gets up to have this battle, and he literally says, if your God, Baal, is the true God, send, call out for fire to come down on the altar, and that'll prove that he's true. But if my God's God, I'll call out for fire and fire will come down and that'll prove he's true. 400 prophets versus one prophet. It's a showdown. In that showdown, uh, what happens, they, they spend all day praying, cutting themselves, everything. No, of course, because Baal's dead. His God's not powerful. Nothing happens. Elijah tips multiple gallons of water on the offering in a drought. They're all freaking out. Like, what are you doing? And then wets the offering, wets, wets the altar, wets the, the sacrifice, and God sends fire from heaven, destroys the sacrifice, the altar, and the water water, proving to everybody watching that he's the one true God, all right? It's like, it's, it's the best day in church you've ever been in. I'm telling you, it's amazing. It's amazing. And so then Elijah prays, gets on his knees, and God sends a drought-breaking rain, okay? So you'd have to think he's feeling pretty good about himself. You'd have to think this was a good day. Well, let, now let's go to this scripture. The 400 prophets of Baal get killed. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel, his wicked wife, everything that Elijah had done, including the way he'd killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah, may the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. All right, so this is, this is the, the lady 
who's demonized with a spirit of intimidation and control. Often when people talk about a Jezebel spirit, uh, and I'm not, I just, just don't call anyone's got a Jezebel spirit, not cool, okay? But when people talk about that, it's intimidation and it's control, all right? And so this is what happens. You would think Elijah's like, ha, I just prayed for rain and a three-year drought broke. I just called down fire from heaven and God answered me. I just had the ultimate showdown. God's for me. He's not against me. As if you can do anything, if, if my God can do that. But you watch this. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, Beersheba, a town in Judah, and left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I mean, talk about from the mountain to the valley in a very quick moment. I've, I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. We have a picture right there of the spirit of intimidation. The, the spirit of intimidation will work in one of two ways. Okay, and here's one. Here's one. It, 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 I've heard it said like this, that the, the spirit of intimidation or demons are like surfers, not Surfers are like demons, sorry Ian, but stay with me for a moment. Imagine the waves are words and demons travel on words. So she's spoken the words. It's not the words that's caused fear. It's the spirit that's on the words that's gone straight into his head, start bouncing around and he is overcome with fear, heaviness and depression. That's not logical based on the last week he's just had. It's illogical, but yet it's powerful. And sometimes somebody can say something to you, a phrase, or, or you can even hear something, or it can be a report, or, or it can be well-intentioned, it can be from a friend, it can be from an enemy, it can be from, from and, and they say something, and it just gets stuck in your head, and it bounces around in your head, and before you know it, you're doing what he's done. You're like, you're put, you put it in reverse, and you're just going backwards, and going backwards, and going backwards, and you're like, oh, I want to give up. What is that? That's the spirit of intimidation. That's one way it works. On words, in your mind, overwhelms you. The other way it works, the spirit of intimidation, is it's something that's, that, that, that lie that we talked about a little bit earlier, it's something that got into our heart at some point in our life, and now we have a thought or what the Bible calls a stronghold in our heart, and it's a thought pattern that's demonically empowered, and God will say something to us, but it hits the stronghold and bounces off. And so I've got a, someone's got a stronghold of poverty and God says, I, I want to prosper you, but it hits the stronghold and it bounces off. So, so that this, that, that's the other way it works and it's our heart. And usually the thing, in our, the, the thing that gets in our head uh, from words, we can recognize it quite quickly and we can realize or, or we need someone to, to recognize you're under it right now. This is not you. This is not the normal way you think. This is not the normal way you feel. You're under something right now. That's a spirit. And so that's why we need one another. That's why we need to be in groups. That's why we need to be in a community so people can go, you're not yourself right now. Can we pray together? And, and, and sometimes it's just a spiritual shift. But then other times, it's actually something that's deep in our hearts that got there uh, through one of a few ways. It got there. Maybe it just got there because of my family of origin, my upbringing. And, in, and, and we've all got it, that all of us will have some upsides of our family and some downsides. But sometimes we've got some lies we believe because of our upbringing, and those lies are, are written on our heart, and therefore God wants to come and increase us 
and bring influence and blessing to our life, but the, the lie we believed is now a stronghold stopping us from experiencing it, and it's intimidation. Just quickly, five signs that I'm under the spirit of intimidation. Well, we saw one before. Discouragement, demotivation, why bother? I'm checking out. That's one. Number two, I'm paralyzed from decision-making, double-minded or indecisive. Number three, I go missing. I'm just like, I'm out of here. This is too hard for me. I'm just going to isolate myself. That's a, often intimidation will cause us to isolate ourselves. Or the other thing is we try too hard. I'm just going to prove myself. I'm going to prove everybody wrong because there's this voice in my head that makes me do, drive harder than I should be driving. Or I'll be critical of others who are, who are successful because I feel bad about me, so I'll pull them down. So how do we deal about it? Well, the source of intimidation is lies. Lies. Elijah believed lies that Jezebel could get him killed. She couldn't. God would protect him. She believed lies. And so often when we believe lies, it's what robs us. So what do we need to do? We need to recognize the lies. I'm going to get these put up on the screen behind me. This is not an exhaustive list of lies, okay? But this might be a prompter for you. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit tonight, this week, as people meet in groups, throughout this month as we gather, that, that the Holy Spirit will reveal the lies that are obvious and the lies that are deep that we don't recognize yet. And the lies go like this. And usually, okay, intimidation starts like this. If it's words from somebody else, the words are, you are, you're not good enough. You're, you're, you're not smart enough. You're, you're too old. And it starts as a you. And that's in your mind. But it becomes a stronghold when it becomes I. Because now I believe it about myself. Now it's got into my heart. Now it's written on my heart about who I am. I am too old. I am inferior. That's a, a lie that I've struggled, I've struggled with for years. I'm inferior. I'd look at people who are doing better at the chosen field that I wanted to excel in, and I'd look at them, and I'd feel like, oh, I'm inferior. And that would stop me having conversations with people because I'd feel like I'm inferior. It's a lie that got exposed for me that I went to work on. I'm, uh, another lie, I'm not good enough. I'm not educated enough. I am unworthy. I'm unlovable. I'm not smart enough. I'm not gifted enough. I'm dumb. I'm cast aside. I'm a second-class Christian. I'm rejected. I'm a failure because of my past failures. These are all lies. I'm disqualified by my past. I'm not holy enough. I don't have enough faith. I'm invisible. I'm going to get hurt again if I step out. I'm going to fail again if I step out again. That's a lie that can be there. Like, oh, just play it safe. Play it safe. Play it safe. I've got no voice. I'll never measure up. I don't have what it takes. Here's one of the big intimidation lies that the devil puts on people to get them out of church. I don't belong here. I don't fit in. And it's a lie, but if we're not careful, it gets written on us. And you, I, I watch people bounce from church to church. And here's the thing about it. No, I'll just read these. I'll come back to it. I don't fit in. I can't tell the real truth or I'll be rejected. I'll never see breakthrough. I'll never have enough. I'll never be healed. I'm not cut out for this. I'm not as good as Isaac Sansom, whoever it might be. Insert someone awesome. I'm never going to change. Someone's told you, you're always going to be like this. You're never going to change. You start to believe that I'm never going to change. Here's the thing. Once we get a, an intimidating lie written on our heart, it's not just the way we see ourselves. 
we start to think everybody else sees us that way. We're like, of course they think I'm dumb. That's, that's what everybody thinks, and they don't. You see, in the book of Numbers, when the Israelites are about to go into their promised land, they make this ridiculous statement. The spies who went into the promised land, they said, we're like grasshoppers in our own sight. Like, that's a slave mindset. We're insignificant. We're small. We're pests. Been told that for years, so it's obviously deep inside them. But what's the next phrase? We're not just like grasshoppers in our own sight. Therefore, we we were like grasshoppers in their sight. Well, how do you know that? Did a giant come up to you and say, hello, grasshopper? Oh, grasshopper. (laughs) Sorry, Karate Kid fans. Did a giant come up and say that? No. You just, it's in your heart so much, you think everybody else sees you like that. You think everybody else sees you not holy enough. You, you think everybody else thinks you're inferior. You think everybody else thinks you're not good enough. You think everybody else thinks that you're ugly. You think that, why is that? Because it's in your heart. Here's the deal. It's not everybody else who's stopping you going into your destiny. It's what you think about you. And this whole journey of breaking intimidation is about transforming what's been written on your heart the lies that we've believed and the lies that we believed in our mind. Now, the lies might be about us or they might actually be about God. And so we, we, we struggle to move into what God's got for us because here's some more lies. This is not exhaustive. I just, I'm just wanting to get you going. Next, the next slide. Recognize the lies. God is harsh, is angry with me, sees me as guilty. When, maybe when I was in my 20s, I would struggle with that. God is harsh, and I had to work for a period of time to deal with my wrong mindset about the way my father sees me. God is finished with me. God can never forgive my past. God God favors others above me. I had someone here this morning, new to church, they said, that was me. God could never forgive my past. Tears in their eyes as they connected with Christ as a lie was exposed and broken. God favors others above me. God doesn't really see me sees others. He doesn't see me. God doesn't really love me. God doesn't really know me. God doesn't want me to be healed. He doesn't, he doesn't want me to be prospered. Another lie would be God, does, God doesn't, um, my problem is not important enough for God's attention. It's just a little problem. So why bother him? That's a lie. God doesn't want me to be successful. God's far away and not close to me. We could go, we could talk and talk. And my prayer is while I'm doing this, that the Holy Spirit is highlighting things that are your issues and my issues, but he's also prompting us of some other lies that we believe. And this is what we do. This is how we deal with it. We recognize the lies. That's the first step. But we don't just recognize them. We need to actually repent. Repentance is the beginning of change. Repentance, repentance is the moment when we say, God, what you say about me is actually true. You love me, but this thought is wrong. And I've accepted it, and I've believed it, even though it might be someone else who's sort of triggered me into that. But I've, I've believed it, and I want to repent for agreeing with that lie. I want to repent for believing that lie. We've got this booklet on our seats. And if I could just grab one for a moment, one of these booklets. Thank you. I want you to grab this booklet. This is designed for the next month. Uh, And we're talking about the first step tonight. Recognize the lies and repent. 
I recognize and repent of the lies I believed. I, I recognize and repent of the lie that I'm inferior to others, God. I recognize it. I repent of believing that lie. I want you to write some things in this over this next week, even today. I recognize and repent of the lie that. And I'll tell you what, the moment you verbalize it, get it into the light, you, got, you break its power in that stage. But then on an ongoing basis, and this is what I did, and this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to work. Because if it's taken 15 years to get into your heart, it's not going to go in one moment. A spirit can go in a moment. But a thought pattern will take a period of time to change. And it's a thought pattern that will attract a spirit back until I deal with, this, until I deal with the thought pattern. So six months, and so this is what I did. I wrote down four things on my wall, and for six months, I'm like, God, just, just in, in my prayer time, I repent of believing the lie that I'm inferior. And then I repent of the next one. I repent of, I, I repent of unbelief about this particular, I repent of it. And I found like, as I did it every day, I repent of believing the lie, I repent of this. It's not, that's not to ask God's forgiveness. Because all you've got to do is confess your sin once and you're forgiven. I'm sorry, the word repent literally means to change your mind. And so repent, I'm just saying, God, I'm changing my mind from the lie of the enemy. But I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm, I'm changing my mind from the lie of the enemy that my time's done. I'm changing my mind from the lie of the enemy that I'll never find a life partner. I'm changing my mind from the lie of the enemy. I'm repenting. And then I'm going to come into agreement with you. That's the, that's the first step. So six months, write it down, get ready to go. And then the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the other, the other keys to disempowering. This is the scripture I want to finish on. And it's this, it's in 2 Corinthians. It says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I want us to stand to our feet right now. Close your eyes. Holy Spirit, would you talk to us, whisper to us about the lies that we've believed and accepted? Just ask the Holy Spirit right now. Just, oh, oh, let's give him some room. Holy Spirit, talk to me about the lies I believed. About you. About myself. About my future. About my past. Don't stop at one. There's probably a few. When God's shown you at least one, just lift both your hands in the air, right? If, when, he's, when He's shown you at least one lie, just lift both your hands in the air. Amazing. Why don't you right now just begin to repent? Just start today. This is day one. God, I repent for believing that lie. Just, just say that. I repent. Whatever that lie is, I repent for believing that lie. I repent for agreeing with that lie. I repent. 
I repent. I repent. I recognize it's a lie from the devil. And I repent. I recognize it tonight. Father, I'm coming tonight in the name of Jesus. Lord, you're exposing the lies behind the spirit of intimidation over people's lives. And tonight, in the name of Jesus, we agree together that the power of that spirit is broken. The lies are are exposed. And Lord, there's freedom coming into every life. Lord, I thank you over the next six months as people lean into this journey that you're going to set them free. Father, I thank you as we meet in groups and begin to share the lies that have bound us up and held us back, that there will be freedom, that there will be breakthrough in people's lives. I thank you in the name of Jesus that you're setting us free right now. And everybody said, amen. Come on, give the Lord some praise right now. God, we praise you. Can we get the band to come on up? We praise you. You're breaking things down to set us free. Here's what's going to happen. God's going to, he's going to help us. I said this this morning. It's, a great, it's just a really clear illustration. If I, if I was to hammer a nail into a piece of wood, and I needed to get that out, I would just get the nail, and it would, if it just went in quickly, it would come out quickly. If I screwed a screw into a piece of wood, you know, really deep, if I wanted to get that out, I couldn't just grab the hammer and rip it out. I'd do a whole lot of damage. Uh, if I only had a, a manual screwdriver, and it was deep, and it was hard, and it was stuck there, it would take a lot of effort and a lot of work to progressively pull the screw out. The lies of the enemy are often like that. We can break the spirit of intimidation in a moment, but the lies have got to be unscrewed, and it's hard work. But you got to, I want you to make the commitment. You're going to go to work, and that's the first step, repenting and recognizing every day. If you're going to do that, give me a wave. Who's going on a six-month journey to break intimidation off your life? Come on, I'm so proud of you guys. That's amazing, amazing. Come on, come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus.